Well, I want to let you in on a private conversation that um, I was involved in a few weeks ago. It's not private in the sense I can't tell you, share it with you. Uh, but the pastors were sitting around, our, the pastors of our church were sitting around talking, and I asked them, I said, so as you guys think about our church and where we're at and, and what we need, you know, what our people need, what, what are some things that you think we ought to preach on, right? What should we be focusing on and, and looking to God's word and see what God has to say about it. And, and, and they st you know, start talking, they came up with some really great ideas and you know, very practical kinds of things that are life, the kinds of things we deal with in life and, and, and really good ideas. And, and as I was talking, I, I said, something kind of became clear to me and I said, my concern is, is that we we're giving people solutions to problems, but they have no foundation on which to build them. They, they don't have a view of the world the way it really is. It's like giving someone, here's every supply you need to build a house, but there's no concrete foundation. And so um, my sense was is that we needed to spend some time focusing on that foundation. Uh, what does it mean to be a Christian? What does it look like? How does it affect us in life. And we're talking about a Christian worldview, okay? That's a terminology, a worldview. And now, my tendency, Walt the teacher, okay, would be to develop this big, long course. And we're going to cover this, and we're going to cover that, and the other thing, and some big hairy charts, you know. I don't know what a hairy chart actually looks like. But you know what I'm talking about, right? And, and, and really get into some theology and all that kind of stuff. And none of that's bad. In fact, that's good. But I step, by the way, how many of you know that I would be, have a tendency to do that? Okay, see, yeah. Um, so I decided to say, well, let's wait. Let's step back and look at this in some sort of a more practical way. Is there a way we can get at this with, in, in a way that's really more about where we live? And so I got to thinking about that and realizing that how, how do we make choices? How we make choices expresses something about what we believe and how we view life. So let's start talking about that. What kinds of choices? If, if we're seeing the world the right way, the way God says that it is, if we're seeing the world that way, how do we make our choices? And so I think we get at the worldview by considering these principles that Christians should be using to make their choices in life. And so this sermon series uh, is beginning today is about that. We're calling it Overview. Overview with two, two ideas in mind. One is an overview, okay, of the, our belief system and, and how we approach life and how we make our decisions. But then the idea of over, because every time we make a choice, we choose one thing over something else, right? When we choose this, that means we're not choosing this. And so we want to talk about what should we choose over and arrive at this sense of how we should be looking at the world. Well, our first sermon today is going to focus in on feelings. Feelings. Um, and when I say feelings, some of you go, oh, feelings. And some of you go, feelings. Oh. Right? But the reality is that we all have feelings and we all got plenty of feelings. And, and the reason we have them is because God made us that way. God made us to be people who have feelings. And the reason he did that is because he made us in his image and God has feelings. 
Just work your way through the Bible and find out how he feels about all sorts of things. And so he has feelings and he's given us feelings. He's given us, us feelings for some very practical reasons, but also given us feelings that we might know him better. That we might understand some things about God that we would not otherwise understand if we didn't have feelings. Give you an example. Jesus, the night before he is arrested and is going to be crucified, is in that garden praying. And he has some really, really deep feelings. As he's talking to God about what's going to happen, he is so intense. The feelings are so intense that it says he was, he was sweating like it was just blood dripping off of him. I mean, this is emotional and agonizing. And he's saying to his father, if there's, is there any, any way I don't have to do this? Because he knew what was coming. And it was a whole lot more than hanging on a cross. It was the, the guilt of the whole world being put on him. And this forsakenness that happens between him and the Father and all that. Is there any way I can understand? Jesus has those deep, deep feelings. But understand, he goes ahead and makes a conscious, willing choice to go through with it. Why? Because he loved me and he loves you. And so we start to understand something about the love of God because we, we know what it's like to have feelings and say, oh, I don't want to do that, right? I don't want to go there. We don't want and But then we get, what kind of love is it that makes you say, but you know what, I'm going to do it because you need me to. You see, so feelings help us to understand God and what he's like and get to know him better. Now, generally speaking, our, our feelings are wonderful things. They keep life interesting. <laughs> Could you imagine going through life with no feelings? Some of you say, well, I know somebody who does that and I'm married to him or her. That's nearly not quite true. But could you imagine going through, how boring would that be? Going through life, never having a feeling about anything. Of course, you wouldn't know you were bored, right? Because you wouldn't have any <laughs> feelings about it. But you'd be like a, a machine. But we aren't. So we have feelings, and feelings make life interesting. Uh, and like I said, generally speaking, positive. How about being excited about something new that's happening that you really like? Excitement's cool, isn't it? How about joy? Joy over, you know, watching someone you, you love accomplish something great or, or a new child that's entering the, the family or, or the wedding or whatever, right? Joy, we have that kind of thing. How about satisfaction over maybe a job well done? You've, you've done this job, you've worked hard and it's completed and you over, look it over and you have a sense of satisfaction about it. Or maybe it's contentment in life. You're sitting at home, you know, if you drink coffee, if you don't, whatever you drink, sit there and having a cup of coffee and you're thinking about your life, you look around and life's good and you feel contented. Uh, or peace. You know, the world around you is kind of crazy, but you have peace in the middle of that because you have a relationship with Christ. These kind of feelings are really good, aren't they? We like those kinds of feelings. But we know the reality is that not all of our feelings are positive. We have other feelings too. We have feelings like fear, where we find ourselves afraid of something. Afraid of something that looks like it's going to happen. Afraid of what something means in our lives. Uh, and so we have fear. Then we have worry. 
that feeling, constant feeling of worry, uh, you know, that something's going to happen, something's going to go wrong, it's not going to go well. I mean, there's an Irish guy named Murphy. Remember him? And what do you say? If, if something can go wrong, it will go wrong. And so some people, for whatever reason in life, how you know, their upbringing, what happens to them, they, they kind of develop this mindset. I'm, I'm worried about what's going to go wrong. And all the time they're worried. And uh, then we have um, anger. <laughs> and anger is really not a very pleasant emotion. And, and um, the Bible says that our anger doesn't accomplish God's work. And so we, we become angry. Um, and so we have these negative emotions as well. Now, there are people, well, let me say, we are, we are see, we are full of feelings. <laughs> we really are. Uh, there's probably nothing in our lives that doesn't have a feeling attached to it in some way. Uh, there are feelings there. Even that person that you can think of. How many of you know somebody you'd say, man, I don't know if that person has feelings? You know? A few of you, okay. Um, even the most reserved person in the area of feelings, the most stoic of those among us are still full of feelings. But what they do is they have some big feeling like a, a fear of what happens if I show my emotions, a fear of what happens if I actually let this go. And so what they do is they keep stuff and stuff and stuff and stuff and, and then they do their best not to think about it, <laughs> okay? Because they, when they think about it, it unsettles them. They don't like to feel unsettled. You see how the, their feelings are governing the fact that they're trying not to have feelings. Um, I just kind of like that for a lot of years. That's my heart for some of you to believe. I don't know. I mean, I cry at the drop of a dime now. But um, when I was a young man in my house, somehow or other, I came up with the idea. Uh, and actually the word, this is a word that my father introduced to us. And um, I think it actually comes out of Don Quixote's Man of La Mancha. Um, and that word is nonchalant. You know what nonchalant means? You heard the word? Well, it's like this, it's just you, nonchalant. You are unplussed, you're not bothered, you're, you're not responding, anything. And so, you, for us, it worked out, we didn't smile in our photographs often. In fact, I have a, the picture someplace of me, my brother, and my father all standing, we're on a boat, I think it's in Seattle, we're out on this, the Puget Sound probably on a ferry, and we're standing up there with this, Scenery in the background. My mom's taking the picture and all three of us are like this. <laughs> and so, you know, you just don't, I, I, my sense is that, you know, there's a sense of staying in control, keeping everything in control. Um, and so, when I got married, all I can think is my poor wife. I didn't think it at the time, I think it now. My poor wife, because my wife was normal. <laughs> she had feelings. She expressed them. I mean, this is just a natural part. In fact, I think it's what she looked forward to get married. She knows that we're going to experience these feelings together. We're going to be so connected. And that's fair. But the way I was, when if she 
good, I mean, a positive emotion, negative emotion, doesn't matter. She would be expressive to me. And my response was to try to balance that level of emotion by calming down. Now, how many of your ladies would be thrilled with that? And so then she would get more expressive. Well, they said positive or negative, doesn't matter, more expressive, trying to connect with me, and so I would get calmer. It's like I thought my job was to keep her things in balance, right? I had to balance her out. Now, I'm a child of the late 60s, you know, hippies and all that kind of stuff, not like Duke. <laughs> I was a wannabe hippie. But I think that I kind of must have viewed my role as keeping the universe in balance, right? Um. And so this was a, a, a crazy kind of thing. And do you think it helped my relationship? No, it didn't help my relationship with her. It brought difficulties into my relationship, brought difficulties into my own life. And so what I want you to see is that, that while God gave us emotions and they're, they're intended to be good and many times they are good, that our feelings can work against us when they aren't aligned with the right things. And they can work against us in big time ways. So let's, let's give some examples of this. Let's think how this works. Um, negative feelings. We, we mentioned, I mentioned fear and, and worry and um, anger. So let's talk about those. So let's assume that you're a young person. When you were young, as a child, you're with people and you, we enjoy being with people. Most of us are social when we're little, right? But then something happens. Somebody that we kind of want to have a relationship with us rejects us. Right? Uh, you're, you're too small. You're too big. You got a big nose. We don't like you anymore. Or whatever it is, right? It, we, haven't we all experienced that at some place? Rejection, okay? And we don't like rejection. It makes us feel really bad. And so we have this sense all of a sudden of fear. We begin to develop this, this rising fear. A fear that I'm going to be rejected by other people. Maybe people who matter to me. And so now we start working to figure out how can we not get rejected? What can we do? And, and so maybe we go out and you, know, you get a new dress, a more uh, a stylish dress or, or a new haircut or you adopt a new vocabulary so you'll fit in and, and you'll be accepted and you won't be rejected. And so you're trying that kind of thing and, and as you do it, because the way these things are, we're all human beings, it, inevitably what happens is somebody says, oh, that dress is so yesterday. And you feel rejected. Now I want you to know I've never felt rejected because of the dress I was wearing. Okay. Okay, but that happens. Your haircut, that haircut, you know, doesn't really fit your face. You know, you sound stupid when you talk that way. And we are what? Rejected again. We don't like it. So we're, we really start making our decisions and choices in life because we're afraid we're going to get rejected. And so we, we keep trying to figure out how not to be rejected. And what often happens is there's a mix in life. We're all going to experience rejection, but it starts to happen. And then sometimes what we do is we stop trying out here because we start to think maybe they're right. 
Maybe I am defective. Maybe there is something wrong with me. And we don't want to go there, and we try not to go there, but it starts to haunt us. And then what we can do, if we're not careful, we start building walls on the inside. And, and we're not going to let anybody get close enough to us where we can get hurt like that again. We know how to act out here, but boy, we're inside, we build these walls. And, and then think what happens in a marriage relationship where one or both people have built walls on the inside to not let somebody get close enough to where I can really be hurt. And so in that marriage, they are robbed of the this soul intimacy that God intends for them to have and, and the sexual intimacy that is in marriage isn't able to even do what it's supposed to do and create. It's, man, all because we were what? Afraid. We, we were, had fear about being rejected. Now for some people, they try hard to be accepted and it seems to work. They make certain changes, and boy, do they work hard to be accepted by these other people and in this group, and they work at it and work at it, and it looks on the outside like it's working, but inside they are driven, they are never free to just rest in the relationship because they gotta make sure I'm okay so they don't reject me. Man, you see how your feelings work against you? Now, in the area of worry, you know, for whatever reason in someone's life, they've, they've experienced some things that, that made them think, oh, wow, this didn't go the way I thought it would, or this bad thing happened, I didn't expect. And they, they start to, they become worriers. They have this feeling of worry. Well, what if this happens? And well, what if that happens? Or what if this doesn't happen? And, and it's just ongoing, ongoing, ongoing. You ever, ever know anybody like that who's always worried about something? Their life isn't complete if they aren't worrying about something. Okay, but here's what happens, is that this worry is on the outside, that's the thing, but it actually sinks in down here. And there becomes this increasing sense of anxiety under the surface. You know, it's, it's running under the surface. You don't necessarily see it. And then what happens is all of a sudden over here someplace in their life, they have a panic attack full-blown panic attack, heart racing. They feel like they can't breathe. They feel like they might even die. And, and, and they're so anxious. And, and you know, time, you, they treat them and get them you know, down from that. And you say, what happened? What made you so anxious? I don't know. But what it is, is this, this level of anxiety that has been under the surface and has to come out somewhere. And it does. And the sad part is then they start worrying about having the next panic attack, which creates more anxiety. You see how this is a downward spiral? It really is. And so you can see how our feelings can work against us, these negative feelings. And then anger. You know, some people somehow or rather get this sense when things don't go the way they should, they, may they, they get rejected or whatever's going on. Rather than so much fearing it, they become angry about it. That isn't right. I deserve better than that. And they become angry. And so this becomes their whole approach to life. When things don't go the way they think it ought to, this isn't fair, this isn't just, this is I, I, I. And they become angry. And that feeling of anger drives them. Have you ever known an angry person? Someone who's just angry? And here's what happens with anger. It can happen with fear and worry and any negative emotion, but uh, it certainly happens with anger. You see, we find ourselves on an emotional elevator an emotional elevator. Go ahead and go to that slide if you would. So, if 
you can envision this, we're, we ha we're in a building with 10 stories, okay, and there's an elevator. And the first story, 10th story, everything works, right? The elevator goes up, down, part way down, part way up, sometimes to the top, all the way back to the bottom. Well, this is the way our emotions are designed to work by God. This is we have feelings, right? And sometimes our feelings are small feelings, a little thing happens, we have a little emotion that goes back down, sometimes it's more, sometimes we have emotions that drive us all the way to the top. Okay, some huge thing happens and, and our emotions go all the way up. But here's the thing, God designs those emotions go up, the situation ends and the emotions do what? Eventually go back down, that's the plan. But the more we have these feelings in our lives are out of line and are not working, you know, and we're gonna talk about why that is, but the more that they don't really work for us, they're working against us, our elevator can get stuck. As we've hit the top so many times that the elevator doesn't come all the way down anymore. Maybe it only comes down to floor number seven. Well, what happens in life then is if normally if you were down here, you're on the first floor and something uh, you know, happened that triggered your emotions and it's a three, right? Boom, you're gonna go up the fourth floor, aren't you? But what if you're starting at the seventh floor and you go up three floors? Bang! You are to the top right now. And people around you go, this is crazy. That was a little thing and you went, Boom! You blew up and you, what? there's no correspondence that we can see to what's happening and the level of your anger. What's going on is your emotional elevator's stuck. But can you see how negative feelings work against us? They can really do a number on us. Now it's not God's intent that they do that, but they can. But it's not just negative emotions that can do this to us. Positive emotions can do the same thing when they aren't aligned with what's really true and right. Let's talk about it. fun and happiness. How many people do you suppose there are in our culture who have started drinking? You know, as a young person, they start drinking and, and they have fun. This is fun, right? And they're happy. Do you guys like fun? Like to be happy? Right, we do, right? That's a positive emotion. We like that one, those emotions. And so we have those feelings and for this person, it's connected. Yeah, I was drinking and I had this you know, I've had fun and I was happy and so they drink some more and then they, they have fun and they be happy and, and they keep doing this. So they, they drink more. And all of a sudden it's not quite as fun and happy as it used to be, but they want that fun and happiness, so what do they do? They drink more and continue that and, and now it's not fun and happy at all, but they want fun and happy and now they're hooked. You see how these positive emotions of fun and happiness can work against us. So, um, how about the young, young lady, young lady who, you know, uh, meets a young man and, and he's attracted to her and interested in her and he interacts with her and talks to her and is nice to her and all of a sudden she begins to feel very special and she begins to feel a sense of security because she's feeling loved and, and she feels desirable. Now those are good things, right? Is it good to feel special? It's a good feeling and to feel uh, 
secure and to feel desirable. Certainly those are very positive things. And so she's enjoying this relationship. And as the relationship goes on and, and the, the feelings get more you know, stronger in this relationship and all of a sudden, it's a very natural thing that can happen, but all of a sudden there's a sense of pressure in this relationship and the pressure is around sexual involvement. Right, there's some pressure there. And, and she you know, doesn't really like that pressure, but she wants to feel special, secure, desirable, and so she goes along with it. And then there's increasing pressure. And because she wants to feel these good emotions, she goes along with it. And this isn't all conscious, you understand that, right? It's just how we respond. And then all of a sudden, at some point, she finds herself where she never wanted to be, never meant to be, and it's all because she was trying to feel these positive emotions, these positive feelings. And by the way, the young man can be just as much of a victim because the young man wants to feel important. He wants to feel strong. He wants to feel respected. He wants to feel significant. And so he's in this relationship doing, you know, pursuing that and he's making bad choices. And so all these positive feelings can work against us. Um, so the question comes down. Let me say, so when feelings aren't doing what God intended, then we make bad choices, see? Whether they're negative feelings or positive feelings, when they aren't functioning the way God intended, we make bad choices. We make choices that work against us instead of for us. So what can we do? I mean, is there any way to escape this? I mean, we live in a sin-cursed world. We have these problems. Or we just got to live with it? Is that the way it goes? No, God has an answer. God is the one who designed these feelings. And yeah, sin has come in and mixed things up, but God has a way to, to deal with this problem. And, but before we go to the Word and open the Word, and one more thing I want you to understand. It's really important because it not only helps us understand the problem, it sets us up to understand the solution. Your feelings are always attached to your view of what's true. Your feelings are always attached to your view of what's true. Feelings follow what we believe to be true. The problem is, is that our feelings can follow what's really true, or our feelings can follow something that's not true, but we think it is. You see that? And the feelings are not good at determining. So imagine you're out in the woods somewhere, you're up in Alaska. Now, I don't know how, why you're in Alaska. Don't ask that question. You're up in Alaska, okay, and you're out there, and what kind of bears live in Alaska? And how do grizzly bears feel about human beings? Yeah, they just soon kill you, eat part of you, and leave the rest, okay? So uh, you're out in the woods up there and all of a sudden you hear this rustling in the, in the branches and undergrowth and it's coming your way and you start to hear this and your mind says what? Grizzly bear, what happens to your feelings? Boom, we're hitting the top on that one. Okay, that's from a one to 10, we get that. It affects your body, your adrenaline kicks in, your breathing you know, becomes more rapid, your heart rate and you, Boom, you hightail it through the woods as hard as you can go, as fast as you can go to get into that solid cabin and boom, bolt the door behind you. Now, here's the question. 
Was there a bear in the woods or not? We don't know. If there really was a bear in the woods, you felt this way, didn't you? If there wasn't a bear in the woods, but you thought there was, you felt exactly the same way. Our feelings are no good at determining what's really true. And so, when we let our feelings start to decide what's really true, we get a double whammy. Because your feelings can't think, your feelings can't reason. All your feelings can do is what? Feel. <laughs> and so when we let our feelings tell us what's really true, we are in for a world of hurt and our feelings are not going to work in our favor. Um, I envision it like this. When I was uh, um, 12 years old, we, we got a boat and I learned to water ski. And I enjoyed water skiing. It wasn't long before I'm doing the slalom ski thing, you know, and jumping the wake and having this awesome time. And uh, so I was thinking about this. Okay, I'm skiing, here's the boat and with a driver. That me on the ski, that's like the feelings. Okay, and I, I have some control as a skier. I can go back and forth and all this kind of stuff. The boat is like what I think is true. What I believe is true, whether it is or not. So here's the thing. If, if I'm out skiing in a lake, where am I going to go? Wherever the boat takes me. I, mean, I can go back and forth behind the boat, but I'm going where the boat takes me because our feelings are attached and follow what we think is true, whether it's true or not. Okay, so how do we solve this, this problem in our life? I want you to understand this, that um, would it make any sense to yell at the skier and say, why do you keep skiing through that part of the lake where the old trees are sticking up? Why are you doing that? Why are you skiing so close to the beach that the kids are scrambling? And let's get after that skier and try to fix that skier. But is it the skier's issue? No, it's the one who's driving the boat. That's what needs to change. The boat driver needs to change. And so it is in our lives with our feelings. Our feelings aren't working for us. What we need to say is, wait a minute, I can't fix this. I cannot fix the feelings. There's no adjustment I can make, nothing. What has to happen is we gotta make sure that the right guy's driving a boat. I need to make sure that it's truth that's pulling me along, not something that's not true. So with that in mind, let's go to the Gospel of John. And you might be here today saying, Man, Walt, you're talking about some really messed up people. <laughs> no, I'm talking to you. As they would say with New Jersey, all of you guys. Every one of us are potentially at risk when it comes to our feelings. Our feelings can work for us. They can work against us. Um, and if you haven't been there yet, there's a good chance you will be. But I think most of us who are honest would say there's been a time in our lives when our feelings worked against us instead of for us. You don't have to raise your hand, but do you agree with that? We've all had times when our feelings worked against us instead of for us. 
Well, here in John chapter 17, Jesus is, is you know, getting close to leaving the earth and he's praying for his disciples there and it says specifically in this passage, he's praying for us too, those who would believe in the future. So he's praying for us too. And this is what he prays to the Father, verse 17. He says, sanctify them, talking about us. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified by the truth. Well, what does this word sanctified mean? Well, we kind of, you know, tend to think of it, and understandably so, as about becoming more holy. Um, because the, the root word of, of sanctification, you know, comes from a word that means the idea of holiness. But I want you to say, it's really bigger than that. And did you see that Jesus said he's sanctifying himself? Verse 19, I'm sanctifying myself. Well, wait a minute, isn't Jesus already holy? Ain't he all the way there? So when he says sanctify, he really has kind of a different kind of meaning there. And here's what I think this, this idea of when we talk about getting sanctified, it means that, that we are changed to where we are doing or we are, we are becoming the person God intended for us to be from the beginning. We're beginning to live our lives the way God designed our lives to be lived. Uh, it's really about becoming this whole person that God intends for us to be. And that's why Jesus said, I can sanctify myself. I'm here doing what God the Father has given me to do. I'm fulfilling what I was, you know, have come for. Why? So that they can fulfill what you know, they're here for. But Jesus says, here's how this happens. Father, sanctify them through or by your what? What's it say? Verse 17. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Father, help them to become everything that you want them to be. That happens by taking the word of God, the truth, into our lives. Help them to function in life the way you designed them to function. This comes from the word. And, and why don't you see when he talks about this sanctification here, th this includes our feelings. That our feelings would come to work the way they're supposed to work. That they would work the way God intended for them to, the way they were designed to work. But doesn't this make sense? Here I am, I have feelings, and they're attached to whatever I believe is true, so what I want to do is make sure what? That this is driving the boat. Because my feelings are going to follow whatever I believe is true. And Jesus says that we become sanctified, we become whole, we become everything that he intended us to be by saturating ourselves and living by his word. Go to, um, well, so let me, before we go to the next verse. Here's what I want you to remember, if you remember nothing else today. Here is the choice of choose this over this. Choose truth over feelings. Now that is not denying our feelings. Oh no, no, it's not, it's not ignoring our feelings, not at all. Feelings are important and they have a role to play, but when we have to make a choice, we're gonna choose truth. We're not gonna let our feelings determine what's true. We're gonna choose truth over feelings. Because what do we know about our feelings? What do they do? 
they're attached to whatever we believe is true. And they're going to follow along. Go to John chapter 8. Verse 31 and 32. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. Okay, so abiding in his word, saturating yourself with his word so that you think like his word, you understand life, his word, you look at life through his word. You're abiding in his word. He says, then you're my disciples indeed. But what does indeed mean? In your deeds, in your work, how you live, okay? So you know what I say, and now you're choosing to believe it and live on it. And he says this, verse 32, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Free. Does that include your feelings? Yeah, it includes your feelings. Because your feelings are going to do what? They're going to follow along what you believe is true. So you want to make sure that what you're believing is true really, really is true. So, so let's consider here. So what are, the, are these? What role are feelings supposed to have in our lives then? Well, it's like this. I think that the negative feelings are like warning lights that show up on your dashboard in your car. Negative feelings pop up and you get this you know, feeling that's negative. I'm, I'm afraid, I'm, I'm uh, worrying, I'm angry. And we get those feelings and we need to ask, okay, wait a minute, what's that light on for? Right? Why is that light on? What's going on here? So let's go back and think about this. That we used the illustration about fear and fear of being rejected. Okay, so we're bumping along through life and all of a sudden something happens, someone says something or something doesn't happen or whatever it is and all of a sudden we feel, we start to feel this fear and maybe some anxiety about being rejected. What's just happened? Those feelings are warning lights that pop up and say, hey, something's not right. But you know what's not right? What's not right here is that I'm more concerned about what people think about me than what God thinks about me. <gasps> warning, you're feeling this way for some reason. And so sure enough, then you, you look at it, and maybe if nothing else, you say, okay, wait, I, so here's the truth. Here you are. Who knows you better, God or the people who reject you? That's kind of a duh question, right? God knows you better than anybody else. He knows, you know, all these people who reject you, they don't even know you like God knows you. And God loves, he looks at you and says, man, I accept you. You are valuable to me. You matter to me. Okay, I can see I was kind of starting to, to, to veer away from that truth when I start to worry. Wait, these warning lights, okay, I need to come back to this truth. Do you see how that works? So, so how about the young lady who wants to feel uh, desired, you know, desirable and special? And, and some guy comes along and then this, like I said, this is kind of natural, happens in life, but then there begins this pressure to go someplace. You say, I don't think we should do that. This is not where we're supposed to go. And you start to feel a little bit of anxiety here and worried about, boom, little lights, warning lights are coming up. Why are you feeling this way? Ah, oh, I'm feeling this way because I'm thinking that I need someone else to make me feel special. I need someone else to make me be desirable. The truth is, 
God says to you, you, my daughter, are special to me. I will keep you secure. I desire you. You are delightful to me. Okay, you see how that works? So the warning lights pop up. Wait, I'm feeling this. Wait, what's really true here? I, I, I got to make sure I'm attached to what's really true here because that's what's going to pull me through life. And so it's about truth and focusing on truth, choosing truth over feelings. Uh, consider these scriptures. In the book of Isaiah, uh, talking about God, to God, he says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. In other words, so my focus in life is the Lord. And when my focus in life is the Lord, then I'm focusing on the word that he's given me. And I'm thinking about these things. And this is what I'm attaching myself to. Peace. Peace. The Apostle Paul said something similar in Philippians chapter 4 when he said, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Okay, I'm focusing on you, Lord. I'm bringing my needs to you. I'm trusting you. I'm trusting your truth. And what's going to happen? And the peace of God. Now go back there if you would, Mitchell. The peace of God will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. See the emotional peace. And he continues right after that in verse number eight and says, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely or a good report, if there's any virtue, if anything is praiseworthy, meditate on these things. What are you doing? You're saturating yourself with the truth and you are attaching yourself to the truth and it's gonna pull your emotions where they need to go. So what about our positive feelings then? What are they for? Our positive feelings are there as positive reinforcements. You do something good. And you get a sense, an emotional feeling that goes along with that. Uh, so here's the worrier. You know, worries is this going to happen? This and the anxiety. And instead, you make a different decision. You say, you know what? God is going to take care of me. He's promised me that he would. And he, he knows better than I do what I need anyway. I'm going to trust him. And then you have a feeling of peace. Wow, this peace feels a lot better than that anxiety. <laughs> so it's a positive reinforcement. The positive emotions are motivators for us to do good, to do what God says, to act in a manner that is consistent with the truth. Now, when we say choose the truth over feelings, that brings us to another statement that I really want you to get. And you've heard me say it before. God's word is always true, no matter how I feel. Let's read that aloud together. God's word is always true, no matter how I feel. So I'm not going to let those, when those negative feelings come, or the positive feelings, I'm not going to let them sidetrack me from what's really true. Now I'm attaching myself to what's really true and going with it. And so then I have this view, okay? And it reminds me from when I was a water skier. 
man, the boat, the driver was good. And he knew where to drive in the lake and where not to drive. And you know what it did? It set me free to ski my heart out behind the boat. Back and forth, back and forth quick, back and forth long, stay behind the boat. I mean, right? I mean, where I, I'm just free, man. This is pretty cool. Where are we going next, you know? And that's the way your life can be. That's the way you can end up where you're feeling that you are just free. It's, this is good. Oh, the warning light's coming on. Oh, I know what that means. I got to respond to the, the pause. I mean, man, what a difference being free in your feelings, your emotions. Have a ball with your emotions. And, and that's what happened to me. A number of years ago, finally clicked for me. I didn't have to control everything. I didn't have to always be in control because God was. Well, there's a different thought. I don't have to always measure up so I can get my acceptance and my approval from it. I don't have to be driven by that. Let that stuff go. And as I did and put, make sure that I was attached to the truth, I was choosing truth over feelings that I was trying to ignore. I'm choosing truth there. All of a sudden, my feelings opened up. And I, I say my poor wife again, because all of a sudden this man who never had a feeling has a feeling. He's got a bunch of feelings. What do I do with these things? But changed me. And yeah, I'm still growing, so I've got those issues, but I am so much more free emotionally, feelings. I can cry. I can sit down and watch 10 minutes of a movie and cry over it. Not that that's the goal. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? I, I, I'm just so much more free in feelings, and you can be too. So I just really want to encourage you. Here, leave this thought. Here's the bedrock. This is what you build everything on here. Choose truth over feelings. And you're not going to get it perfect, but more and more you can choose truth over feelings. And you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you have given us the truth that is, makes all the difference in our lives. Thank you for the feelings that you've given us, Lord. And what a, a joy it is to experience the positive ones. And thank you that the negative ones um, point us out to that, hey, something's not quite right here. Something needs to change. Thank you for that. Oh. I pray, Father, that we would more and more be aware and on purpose choose truth over feelings. That we might honor you and experience the blessings that go along with it. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we will continue this series next week. Uh, next week's sermon title is Commander. You're dismissed.